listening to The Knicks Recap, your source for all New York Knicks-related content. What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Knicks Recap, your source for all New York Knicks-related content. I'm your host, Troy, and don't forget to hit that notification bell so you stay updated with all of our latest episodes. Today, I have a very special guest. He's joining me today. I know you know him. You've seen his face. you heard of him. you read his articles. You've seen his videos. SNY NBA Insider and host of The Putback. And personally speaking, and I know a lot of my Knicks Twitter fans will agree with this, legendary in the world of journalism. I don't think anybody does it better. One of the greats, Ian Bagley. Ian, what's going on, man? Thanks for joining the show today. Oh, Troy, man, I appreciate those kind words, my friend. Thank you so much. Great to talk Knicks with you. Uh, and look, the 10 games, I mean, excuse me, seven game winning streak, 10 games over 500. I, I assume most of your Nick Twitter friends are happy today. They are happy for a number of reasons, but a lot of them are doing the uh, walk back. You know, I know you got the put back. They're doing the walk back because <laughs> what's happening is a lot of teams, teams I've said the same thing. In the beginning of the season, I thought this was a playing team. I thought I had every right to say that. Nobody thought Jalen Brunson was going to be this Jalen Brunson. Mm-hmm. I'm happy to say I was wrong. I'm happy to say the Knicks have won seven of them things, Ian. Seven Wild. straight games out of the all-star break. One of the hottest teams in the league, only uh, down to Milwaukee in that regard. Um, they have just been doing things that nobody expected. They destroyed, completely obliterated the Nets on Wednesday night. Just from me and watching the Knicks every time they go on a run like this, we always think maybe just the Knicks fan and me being scarred for years. Can they keep it up? Is it sustainable? What do you think with regards to the Knicks? Is this play sustainable? Well, I'll say just as a reporter who's been around them, I don't know, 10 years or so, I'm always looking for the same thing. Like, when is when is the roof going to fall off? And I think that's not me being overly cynical, but just realistic based on how things have played out really over the last two decades. Right now, though, it seems like there's some sustainability here because you look at this roster. It's a young roster, uh, a lot of players under contract, multiple years. And so you could see how this group – this core group can remain together for at least a couple of seasons and the way that they've established, established themselves to date, you know, this is always to me, at least the first step in, in building out a contender is having a young core that wins on its own. And then you become attractive to, you know, maybe a, a disgruntled player looking to move on, looking to force a trade or a free agent, but you really, it's hard to skip that first step of having a young core that's done it on its own and, and becoming attractive in that way. And to me, the Knicks have taken that step this year and it's been a bigger step than I think almost anyone outside of maybe, you know, Leon Rose, William Wesley, uh, Jalen Brunson, Rick Brunson, Tom Thibodeau had thought because this is a, a major step, at least right now. Look, let's let's see what happens the last 18 games of the regular season and into the postseason. But as we sit here right now, coming off that net game, this Nick team, I think, is in much better shape than many around the league would have predicted. Yeah, I'm seeing smoke still from the uh, from the Nets game. This is still burning over there. I just, I, it, it's, it was incredible to watch. Jalen Brunson was phenomenal. One point away from the uh, 
40 points. I mean, just incredible. And the thing about him, he, for some way, for some reason, seems like he knows when to turn it on and when to step back and turn it off. He could have probably easily went for 60 if he wanted to, but he wanted to get everybody else uh, involved around him. And I think you spoke about it after the game, the camaraderie with this team now in the Knicks locker room. I mean, they, they're just cracking jokes, yelling from side to side. They're happy. Can you speak a little about the camaraderie of what you're seeing in the locker room? Yeah, man, I'll just speak specifically to after that net win. I mean, this was a, a happy group, right? A lot of jokes being thrown around as the media is interviewing players. You know, we were interviewing Quentin Grimes and where Julius Randall and I think Jalen Brunson joking around with Mitchell Robinson and just, uh, yeah, a happy, 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 happy team right now. And it reminded me a little bit of the 12-13 team where there were nights where they would just go crazy, hit a bunch of threes. Often J.R. Smith was hitting five or six of them, and they would blow the team out. And then afterward, you know, it would be Kurt Thomas and Marcus Canby and Jason Kidd and Carmelo just joking around and, and having a good time because of the success that's happening on the court. And sometimes with teams, you know, the two can kind of in, invigorate each other. You're having fun off the court. You're going to be good on the court. You're good on the court. You're going to have fun off the court. And so that's what you're seeing, I think, with this group at the moment. And look, I've seen some upset locker rooms. I've seen some locker rooms that, that where the care factor wasn't probably where you would think it would be. But this locker room right now, people are engaged and it seems like people are rooting for each other, right? Like the, the, the idea that I have to get mine or I, I need to be starting, finishing the game, getting X amount of shots, at least when we're in there, I don't see that from this group. Maybe it happens behind closed doors, but right now you're not seeing it at all from this Nick team that has a great amount of depth. And, you know, there's reasons for some guys to be upset about touches, shots, but you're not seeing it right now. What we are seeing though is a lot of Emmanuel quickly and Julius Randall little dances. And I don't know about you, Ian, but I'm liking those dances. They're, they're making me feel good because I didn't see this from Randall. I don't think anybody saw this from Randall last season. Coming to this season, he just looks better, feels better. He's obviously playing a career level in terms of his game this year. I don't think anybody can deny he's having a career year, especially on the rebound side, where I think a lot of us wanted him to get better. And he's definitely answered the call in that regard. Um, Julius Randall and his jump from really most improved to where he was last year to now where he is this year. Can you speak a little bit about like the significant change and how hard it is as a player to actually even be able to do that in this, in this sport? I don't think you can count a number of players who have actually been able to do that. And he's done it twice in my mind because he was coming off of a bad season his first year in New York. And then Tom Thibodeau comes and Leon Rose comes and he bounces back in a big way, obviously, all NBA two years ago. And then he falls off last year. And, and he's talked a lot about the idea that he, you know, just needed the success, loved the success. And when the success didn't come last year, he didn't handle it well. He didn't handle failure well. And he learned over the course of the last season, I think this offseason, how to handle failure better. And he credits that a lot to people around him, uh, his family, obviously, uh, one of his trainer who he worked with a lot in the offseason. Uh, so he came back here, he says, in the best shape of his NBA career, uh, both men mentally and physically. And I think you're seeing that because he's weathered some bad nights, some off nights, and he's been able to bounce back so quickly and put together, 
you know, crazy scoring nights and, and he, the idea that he's playing within himself a lot this year, whereas last year he was trying to do too much at times. I think even he would admit is an yeah. important factor here. Also, don't discount, uh, you know, Jalen Brunson, the impact that he's had. Look, the work was Julius Randle. Julius Randle did the work to get himself to this place. But I think Jalen Brunson also makes life a little bit easier for him on the offensive end as he does to the other Knicks on the floor whenever he's out there. So the, let's let's also note that Brunson's been fantastic. But one thing, Troy, you mentioned the dancing with Quickly. I don't know if you saw the other night, Mitchell Robinson had a really big sequence uh, against Boston. I think he had a, a block on Malcolm Brogdon. Brogdon oh, yeah. drove the lane. He blocked the layup. And then he had a tip in on the other end. Then Boston called timeout. Mitch is kind of walking over to the bench. And Julius, first guy out there, jumps off the bench, runs to half court. I think give him a hip bump. But I I don't I haven't seen that often from Julius Randle. The idea that he's that in, engaged in this teammate success. I'm not saying he's not, but just visually seeing it that way, you don't I haven't seen that a lot from him. And to me, that's just a sign of how locked in locked in he is with this group and its success yeah it speaks to the camaraderie of that team right because the switch the difference in his game last year to this year is like you said phenomenal we haven't seen this jump before he's done it twice to your point it, it's just incredible to watch as a fan who i thought he was going to have a breakout season given how he came in last season normally does that when he has a bad year he comes back the next year pretty strong um so i expected him to have a year like that but to have an all-star you know type of campaign year I don't think anybody expected that. Again, this Knicks team is blowing proportions out of there. And it even affected Kendrick Perkins a little bit because he was asked to give a duos list. And he gave as his third pick. He had three choices. And the third one, the last one on the list, was Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle in terms of that duo, uh, one of the better duos in the league. What do you think about that in terms of Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle? Uh, what do you think about them as a duo in this league? Where would you uh, rank them? You know, off the top of my head, I don't I don't know where I would put them. I mean, I think obviously right now you, you put them easily top 10, but I, I would have to go through really uh, each team to, to give you a specific rating. But what I would say, though, is <clears throat> these guys, I mean, they fit well together. They also fit with the groups that they're playing in. Think about Quentin Grimes, think about Mitchell Robinson specifically and what they bring to defensively to the table. Um, and I think that's changed the tenor of this season a lot. Emmanuel quickly, obviously, has defended really well. Uh, but you look back to early December, right, when Tom Thibodeau shortened his rotation. And then Grimes was getting mi big minutes before then, but continued to get big minutes and quickly got big minutes. And Robinson was healthy. I think that changed things for Brunson and Randall as a duo because you put out a five-man unit that works well together on both ends of the floor. I think before then you saw – I think teams were running Brunson and or Randall and or Barrett into pick and rolls and having a lot of success there on offense. So the Knicks were trying to defend those actions, but it's been different since then with Grimes and, and Robinson. So I think part of the success of the duo is the, the guys around them, but certainly those guys play well off of each other. They're both great shot makers and, and Brunson in particular, if he doesn't have it, uh, I think he, you said it earlier, he knows not to really force a ton of shots. He knows to to get off the ball. And uh, to me, that's that's a really, really important skill to have as you're, if you're a point guard, if you're a leader, because people feed off that. Absolutely. And I just wanted to ask, because obviously we see the this, these Knicks playing at a certain level. They always ask, 
is there another level? Because the playoffs, things get different. There's more intensity to the games, right? Every game matters. Every game counts. When it gets to that level, do you see this Knicks team having another level? And if they do, can they reach that under Tom Thibodeau? Man, if we were talking, Troy, in, let's say, mid-January, I would have had concerns about the minutes being played by the top guys, right, and how where, where that would leave them in, you know, March. But here we are in March. Excuse me, everybody seems to be pretty fresh. Uh, I think yeah. that's a credit to every, everybody um, who takes care of the players day-to-day and also the players taking care of themselves. Uh, but I, I think that they can turn it up a notch in the postseason – um because of that now maybe i'm wrong maybe i think you saw this a little bit two years ago where the hawks took it up a notch but the knicks couldn't didn't i don't know if they couldn't but they didn't so it's definitely something to keep an eye on but it seems to me as we sit here early march no one's dragging uh no one seems to be heavily impacted by the, the big minutes and also i think tom thibodeau he's talked a lot about altering what happens between games to keep guys fresh so you know not practicing guys hard in between games particularly or big minute guys not that these guys practice that much at this point of the year anyway but i i wonder if some of that is at play here where the knicks and thibodeau in particular have tailored things to make sure that brunson randall barrett robinson the big big minute players are fresh because they're not doing a lot between games so um you you know we mentioned the you know the Brunsons, we mentioned IQ, we mentioned Julius Randle. I don't like to get negative because we're such on a, we're on a high right now. Uh, Ian, I'm riding a wave of positivity. I, when I wake up in the morning, everything feels a little bit different. I, I walk a little different. My, my hat feels a little, it feels like it's heavier. You know, <laughs> it feels heavy. I feel good. But then, you know, you go on Twitter and then you, you read some of the, the tweets and then you get to RJ Barrett. And that's kind of where I want to kind of take this uh, conversation. So RJ Barrett from the eye test, and also I think the stats will back this up as well too. From an offense and defensive standpoint, just doing both at the same time, I feel like this year he's taken a little bit of a step back. Defensively, he's definitely turned it on after All-Star break. I think that's number one. You can see that from his game. Even though he didn't have it offensively, I think his defense was there. But he's struggled. And especially in terms of consistency, that's been the biggest issue with Barrett because he can't really give you the same type of play every single night. Seems to fall in love with the three quite too much and doesn't really drive as much, which is really his strength because he's really, really strong to drive to the basket. And now that he can finish with either hand, it's easier for him in terms of getting to the free throw line and doing that. But sometimes he doesn't get there right away. My thing is, if Barrett doesn't do anything for this final stretch and the Knicks make the playoffs and they're talking about adding a star, do you think that if he doesn't perform to the level Nick fans and the front office expects that he could potentially be dealt for that quote unquote disgruntled star? Yeah, I think I, I don't predicting that it is tough, but I would just go based on past history, right? Recent history. And, you know, there were people in that Nick front office who were willing to include RJ Barrett in deals for Donovan Mitchell. And, you know, he became uh, a centerpiece of some of those discussions. Ultimately, obviously, the Knicks stand pat. Don't give Utah what they were looking for, whether it was in Barrett, a Barrett-based package or, or non-Barrett-based package. Uh, but to me, that tells you that there are people there that are willing to include Barrett in these trade packages to acquire another top player. Uh, and I don't think that there's a, a reason to believe that 
these people would now put Barrett off the table. So I, that's how I kind of look at it. Uh, but as far as Barrett and his performance, maybe I'm too close to it, right? Maybe I've I've spent too much time um, just observing. But I think Barrett, whatever is going to happen, he's going to revert to getting the best out of himself on both ends of the floor. I think he's going to figure things out and help you impact winning on both ends of the floor. I think not to make an excuse, but maybe part of it is just figuring out where he can go and where he has to pull back with Brunson and Randall. And cause you saw him have some success with that second unit. But I, yeah. I do think in just in, in a general sense, I trust that the way he approaches his craft is going to lead to him eventually finding a way to be consistent on both ends of the floor and helping you win, whether it's with the Knicks or with another team. So I have this theory and maybe, maybe it's already in motion, but I have a theory that if the Knicks make the second round, regardless of what happens in the second round, that a trade for a star is imminent the following off season. Am I crazy to think that? Or what, what do you, what do you think regarding that? So you mean the, off like the summer of 23 right correct right so if they make the playoffs this year they go the second round this year but lose this year i feel like a trade would be coming this off season what do you think on that i don't think that's crazy i mean look jim dolan the nick owner he did the interview with wfan and he said there's no time set timetable but yeah there's a timetable eventually like he wants to win so I'm not I'm not suggesting that he comes down and makes a demand that they make some big move, but logically speaking, they were ready to pull the trigger last summer. If conversations went a different way, Donovan Mitchell would have been a Nick. So I think you know Leon Rose has talked all, all along about being appropriately aggressive. We know in this league those opportunities are going to continue to present themselves in off seasons ahead of trade deadlines. So yeah, I would I would assume that they're aggressive in pursuing whatever players happen to become available after the playoffs, you know, if a, a team falls short of expectations, players get upset. Somebody asks out, I'm sure the Knicks will be monitoring any number of different situations. The, the thing to me though is fit. And, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I don't pretend to be James Naismith, right? I didn't invent the game. <laughs> I'm just looking at the roster. And it seems to me like a player like Mikhail Bridges as the roster is currently constituted, would just he fit well anywhere, obviously. But a player like that, where he can take a step back, doesn't need the ball in his hands a ton to help you win games, and he can defend. I think a player like that would really help this group as it's currently constituted. Maybe we're talking about big trades. Maybe the roster looks so different after a big trade that it doesn't really matter. But that kind of player, that you know, three and D type, that doesn't need the ball in his hands a lot to create and be effective, I think would be the best fit for this current group. You just made all of Nick's Twitter extremely happy just by saying Mikael Bridges, I promise you, they <laughs> want the Nova boys together. I promise you they want all three of those boys together with Hart, Brunson, and my, cat, my, my, uh, my man Mikael Bridges. One thing though, I don't know if you noticed, Nick fans, they always boo the opposing team, especially, you know, depending on if you're a star player. If you yeah. notice though, when Mikael Bridges was at the line, yeah. Wasn't that many boos in the garden? It was some, <laughs> but not many. And I think it's the Nick fans being on our best behavior and trying to wish <laughs> this man well. So that way we could potentially steal him from the Brooklyn Nets. I know it's going to take a lot because I know they even stuffed away a reported for uh, first round picks, I think, for Mikel. I don't know the protections and all of that stuff because it was a report. But, I mean, they obviously value him. They they got him for KD for a reason. 
So, um, you know, I, I don't think that would be an easy get. But hey, listen, I'm a Knicks fan. I'm I'm hopeful. I I hope I can put the stars all together and align it together to get what I want. I think a lot of people would agree with you on that. Um, one thing I wanted to speak about, just the Josh Hart aspect of things. Mm-hmm. We're undefeated with uh, Josh Hart. Um, he's been the everyman type of guy that this, this Knicks team just needed because you can plug him in anywhere and have him do anything. Rebound, playmake, cut, run, you know, just whatever you need him to do. Hustle plays, which really wasn't there. And the bench seems to just mimic the energy. It's like he feeds off, he feeds the bench that energy. They all mimic it because Obi Toppin's blocking shots now. Isaiah Hartenstein's locked in playing better. I mean, the bench just looks more cohesive. Uh, Josh Hart, can you just speak about his impact? And also, do you think he's come here with the expectation that obviously he's going to resign? And what do you think he's going to command on the market? Right. So the, the first question, I mean, look no further than his fourth quarter minutes. I mean, he, Take last, take the net win out of the equation because it was a blowout. But by and large, he's been on the court in fourth, in the excuse me, fourth quarter of close games. That tells you that Tom Thibodeau trusts him a lot. Thibodeau, when he was in Minnesota, he said when they were looking at Hart as in Villanova, he said Hart reminded him a lot of Jimmy Butler. So we know this is a Thibodeau player, and Thibodeau has has put him in um, high leverage situations so far. And Hart's delivered. I mean, his net rating after the first three games in fourth quarter minutes was like plus 10. And I don't think it's fallen off drastically since then, because obviously the Knicks are winning games, but he that's, that's, that tells you that Thibodeau trusts him. That tells you that he's impacted winning uh, late in these games. And he's done it in a, in a variety of ways, as you said. And one of the things that Hart mentioned early on was Thibodeau has given him the green light to, to take threes and to take open shots. And, I don't know if he was getting the same opportunities in Portland. I know there was a lot of talk of him passing up threes, but he seemed to mention that he felt a little bit more confident in in letting it fly here under Thibodeau. So those are kind of the, the elements that I'm seeing so far with Hart, in addition to the um, loose balls, hustle, and the intangibles. But when you talk about this summer, right, uh, he's got a player option. I don't think the Knicks make this trade without, you know, a, a strong idea that, if things go well, they would have a good chance of re-signing him. Right. What he would command on the open market, I mean, I, if I had to guess, I mean, 16, 17, 18 to 20, I mean, I think that range would just be my guess, right? Um, right, right, right. I, I think that, it, you know, and again, the Knicks will have his bird rights. They'll be able to exceed the cap to make that kind of an offer. So, to me, if things continue apace and, and Josh Hart continues to help them win games the way he has – it's a no-brainer for the Knicks to make that kind of offer because he would be such an important part of this core that you've put together that's helped you have a great deal of success. And now you add quickly to the mix because, I mean, let's say we have to face we have to face facts here. He's playing himself into six man of the year consideration at the very least. I know yeah. there's a lot of different people. I know Malcolm Brogdon is obviously up there in terms of his impact with the Celtics. I get it. There's Ben Matherin's, I think, is up there as well, too, right? So Maxi uh, will, will be in the conversation, too. At, at least if he continues to come off the bench, I think Maxi will be right there. And Norman Powell. So it, yeah. be, it's a competitive group. Or Bobby Portis, uh, former Nick. So, yeah, there's a lot of competition there. But there's no question that, objectively speaking, you look at it quickly, has to be at least in that conversation. Sorry, Troy, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to ask you as well, too, in regards to just Emmanuel quickly, 
he's absolutely going to get paid, if not by the Knicks, by any team. He's just he's a starter off the bench, Ian. That's exactly what because you just get a starter like play from him. And sometimes the offense looks a little bit better when he's handling the ball because he just sometimes looks for the pass a little bit more than Brunson does. Those do not not knock to Brunson, obviously, because he's a revelation as well, too. Just saying you obviously you can see the difference in the play with Jalen at the head versus um, IQ at the head. What do you think IQ commands? Because I have him in around 18 to 20 million in terms of yeah. that range. Yeah, that to me makes sense on a, on a second deal, uh, on an extension. I mean, you look at where he was drafted, you look at Barrett's number, and I think 18 and 20, maybe a little over 20. I'm not Bobby Marks, right? But I, I think that would make sense to me uh, yeah. somewhere in that neighborhood and maybe maybe more because of the way he's played. Uh, he's really just taking a phenomenal jump here in year three. And I would assume, right, that the Knicks would want to be aggressive in – uh, extension talks in the off season wouldn't want to let him have another fantastic year and hit restricted free agency where things get tricky. I think you probably want to lock him up, uh, but who knows? I mean, but he credit to Emmanuel quickly, man, the way he's played both ends of the ball. I mean, you talked about offense and you mentioned the defense but de- defensively to me, uh, the way he has improved and the way he uses his added frame and his quickness to slow everybody down, slow people down, stay in front of them, really remarkable. And it's added an element to this season that I don't think a lot of people saw coming, uh, coming into this 2022-23 year. I 100% agree with you. Listen, man, I think IQ has become, you know, if he wasn't already a fan favorite, he's just beloved even more now. He's the guy that you want to see off the bench. I've made the argument he should start just because I feel like you could make the argument that Grimes has a huge impact in terms of what he can do. He has a lot more moves than we've seen. And I think if you bring him off the bench, you allow him to grow that like IQ kind of did in a way and grow into that role and then have IQ be that more consistent shot scorer and also have the ability to defend at a high level because we've seen him do that. So I thought that change was good, but uh, you know, I, I I'm cool with keeping things status quo and I'm sure Thibs isn't going to change anything, at least not this season, probably next season with that. Um, but, uh, but I know you have to go in a few minutes. So I just want to get your, your comments on a few things here. Uh, really quick, just regarding the Knicks in the first round in the playoffs, who do you think they have the best matchup against? I would say Cleveland. Um, one reason being that group has not played together in a postseason. I'm talking about with Donovan Mitchell. So, you know, I think that's an element that you, you like if you're looking at potential opponents. Um, uh, I mean, Milwaukee so strong been they've been through it together boston really tough they're healthy and they've been through it too uh philadelphia you know just the the Embiid matchup man that's that's tough for any team so Mm -hmm. that's why i look at cleveland as probably the best matchup for the knicks if they end up in that five seed and cleveland's fourth or you flip it around that to me is is their best chance at getting through and getting to the second round ian we're on the same page nick fans have one of the best in the business just tell you he doesn't want the Embiid smoke either, okay? Nobody wants that smoke. Nobody wants Embiid. Nobody wants Harden. I know they're not great in the playoffs. I get it. But this is the first round, and Harden doesn't have bad first rounds. Usually as it gets later into the playoffs, it usually gets a little bit worse. But I don't want that. I'm 100% in agreement with you, Ian. The Cavs is where I'm at. I want to see the story again between another matchup between Donovan and Jalen Brunson. It's poetic in a way just to see it, but now on a different conference. It's just, for me, I think that's everything you want to see as a fan. Would you agree? 
be <clears throat> great to write about, great to talk about from my perspective. I mean, plenty of storylines. That's what I root for. And there would be <laughs> plenty of angles to take throughout that series. Yes, I would. I would like that. I would enjoy that. Absolutely. Let's uh, go into some rapid fire real quick before we have you out. Uh, it's going to be uh, five questions. Just a yes or no as quick as you can. All right. Let's go. Let's do it. All right. Will the Knicks make the second round of the playoffs? No. Uh, will the Knicks make it to the Eastern Conference Finals? <laughs> no. Uh, will Jalen Brunson make an all NBA team? Mm, that's tough. Uh, I would say no. Will the Knicks trade for a star this offseason? I would say between now and the coming trade deadline. Uh, actually, let me just say this. It's not a yes or no, but I think they've bought themselves some more time with this season, the way they've had it. So I don't think they're going to be under the gun to make a move. I know that's not yes or no. So sorry. No, it's cool. It's cool. I still love it. I still love it. So my last one is what teams do you think make the NBA finals? That's not a yes or no. Oh, yeah. I know. Sorry. <laughs> I switched that. I must have switched it around. No, oh, well, you, around. I'm sorry, man. Can you think uh, you can answer that one? <laughs> I'm going to go. I'm going to go Milwaukee. Ooh. Ah, who's coming out of the West, man? Oh, wow. I'm surprised you're thinking about it so long. I thought Suns would have been automatic for you. Yeah, but I don't like it's on the fly, right? Like, yeah. so, yeah, they should. They absolutely should, but it's not easy to to come together like that at the trade deadline. Yeah, so I was I was trying to think of best Phoenix matchup. But yeah, all right, I'll go Phoenix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I, for me. Yeah, for me, it was going to be uh, the Bucks with uh, with Phoenix as well too. If I really had to put my money on it, that's what I would say. But yeah, man, listen, I a hundred percent agree with you. Rocking out with me today, Ian. Listen, man, if you're not following Ian, I don't I don't even think I have to say this. You're you're watching because you follow Ian vaguely, but if you don't. His ad is on the screen. Just follow him so he can give you all the news and the latest information, and he can keep you updated with the Knicks because without him, I can't even do what I do. Half of Knicks Twitter doesn't exist without Ian Bagley. And I just want to say just from all the fans, I speak with a lot of them day in and day out. We really appreciate every single thing you do, Ian, for this business. You work harder than some, uh, some of the journalists that I've seen. And I follow myself. You never stop. And you're an inspiration to people like me and others that I know who do this. So I just want to say, really, thank you so much for your work. Man, Troy, I, I can't thank you enough for the kind words. And I, I appreciate, uh, you know, every action, good, bad. You, you're praising me. You're saying I stink. Well, what Indifferent. I appreciate it all. But I really appreciate the kind words. And uh, I don't take it lightly. And, uh, yeah, that, that means a lot, man. So thank you. Absolutely, absolutely. Make sure you're catching the uh, Ian Bagley's putback show as well. He had Macri and uh, Sean from the Knicks wall on. It was a great episode. If you haven't watched it, definitely check it out. It'll be in the description in here. Don't forget, Nick fans, to like, subscribe, and follow us. This is not going to be the last time. This is the first of many. I appreciate all of you guys. Thank you, Knicks fans and Knicks community. Me and Bagley are out. Peace. Listen to new episodes of The Knicks Recap, streaming every Friday.